You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to episode 82 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We got a very jam-packed show for you guys today. Of course, we touched on it last week, but we'll get more into detail about the Cody Cece signing by the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're also going to talk a little bit about jerseys and our favorites that are currently in the NHL right now. And we're going to follow that up with an interview with Ken Stapon of the Not Another Leafs pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to talk to him about Cody Cece, about the acquisition of Kasperi Kapanen, and a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what we can expect from them next season. But for right now, let's just say hello to my co-host. With me, as always, is Nick Horwat. How are you doing this week, Horwat? It's a good week. I'm leaving for Florida in a couple days. Going to go see I hate you. my mom. Hey, you know what? I'm going to Florida. You're moving. You have a much busier schedule than I do. Yeah, you, you got to jump on a plane with a with a suitcase and just go down and enjoy uh the enjoy Florida. Meanwhile, I got I got a I got a lot to do in the next couple of weeks. Let's enjoy Florida. You know how much coronavirus is down there. <laughs> well, just be safe. Yeah, always everyone be safe out there anyway. Um, <laughs> but it should be a good time. You you should enjoy your move. Eventually, me and a couple of our friends will try and make a road trip down. I already did talk to Tyler about it. So there you go. So, as I mentioned, we have a lot to talk about today, and, and a lot has happened really in the past two months since the Penguin season ended, and we had thought that it was all over. We had thought, okay, Jim Rutherford's going to settle down, and of course, after we record as it goes in the podcasting business, the second we're finished recording, it was what, 12 hours after that, Cody Cece signs with the Pittsburgh Penguins, one year, $1.25 million dollars. And he's a right-shot defenseman. Horwat, we didn't get your reaction to this signing last week. So what were your thoughts whenever you saw Cody Cece was coming to the black and gold? Well, my thoughts were, of course he is. <laughs> uh, my second was, at least it's not Jack Johnson. And third, I joined the After Hours episode where I really kind of got more into detail on it. Shane Ryan was on it from the... Uh, senator's podcast so he has a history with cody cc as well so me and him were going back and forth on it and basically he said cody cc is a good defenseman when given the correct role he wasn't given the correct role per se in ottawa it was more of a bouncing back and forth situation from what they wanted him to do and toronto clearly just didn't use him correctly and overpaid him we have the added benefit of a good top six top four i should say defense-wise, so he'll be on the third line. You would assume that he'll be on the third line with good guys in front of him, and he is he is at least marginally better than Jack Johnson. We may still be paying Jack Johnson in a way, as long as he's not on our ice, that's fine. And he's definitely not making as much, CC is not making as much as Jack Johnson did with us. I'm going to misspell Cody, I'm going to misspell Cody CC's name every time, by the way. How? In my notes, I have C-I-C-I because of the pizza chain. 
Oh, see, no, it's easy. It's C-E-C-I. That's the, the easy way to remember it. It's only four letters, dude. There's a lot harder names to spell. Yeah, I know. But also, it's the short ones that kill me. Another thing with CC2 is we always should take a look at players co- joining new surroundings, i.e. Jack, or not Jack Johnson, i.e. Justin Schultz, for example, coming here, was already a good, good-ish good defenseman with uh, Edmonton, but really found his game here and then lost it. <laughs> but we don't got to worry about Cody CC losing his game, per se, with us because it will only be here for a year. I'm assuming we're not going to re-sign him after this season. Our... I, that's just my safe assumption at this moment. I don't know why we'd pick him up if we're only going to use him for a year, but who cares? He can turn it turn it around. If he's given the correct role, which he should be here, it'll be fine. I don't think anything too bad will happen. He's marginally better than Jack Johnson, and now Matheson is not the whipping boy anymore. Yeah, that's very true. It seems like Cody Cece, anywhere he goes, becomes the whipping boy of whichever team he's playing for. And I mentioned a lot of my thoughts last week. A lot of it was I thought it was an unnecessary signing. And to me, it showed that they don't have as much trust in Chad Ruedel and Yuso Ricola that we expected them to have. So, I mean, for Cody Cece's sake, yeah, he's going to be the whipping boy. But at the same time, he's a third-pairing defenseman getting paid $1.25 million for one season. So, like you mentioned, if it doesn't work out, it's easy to cut bait because he'll be a UFA next year. If it does work out, okay, try to bring him back. And and if you, he prices himself out of Pittsburgh, that means that he played well for you this year. So, you got what you needed out of him. So, it's really, to me, low risk, high reward. It, it seemed unnecessary to me last week whenever they made the signing. But at the same time, hey, like I said, low risk, high reward. If it works out, then Jim Rutherford looks like a genius. If it doesn't work out, cut bait. That's the end of it. He's, he's supposedly a third-pairing defenseman coming in to start the season. Of course, injuries can happen. You knock on wood. You hope that it doesn't happen. But if he stays in that third-pairing role, I don't mind it at all. And, and we talked to Ken Stapon a little bit later about that, so he'll give his thoughts And from somebody that watched him closely last year on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's move on right now to a review of our, our 3Ms picks because we've done it a segment on here called the three M's the must sign maybe sign move on we did it a couple times once during the season once after the season and we gave our picks as to who we thought the penguins must sign who the penguins maybe should sign and who they should move on from and that was their free agent class I think we had 10 or 11 I'm gonna say right now I don't count our maybe signs because I try to avoid maybe as much as can anyway yeah we tried to avoid them but some of them it's just it's a coin flip and we can't really make that decision so I'm not counting our maybe signs. I went six for eight. The two that I missed on was must sign Dom Simone. That was wrong. They didn't sign Dom Simone back. And I said move on from Yuso Rikula. Now, my reasoning was not because of the way Yuso Rikula plays. Everybody that has listened to this show more than three episodes knows that I love Yuso Rikula as a player. I love him as a depth defenseman. And realistically, I, th- I think he's getting pushed back into oblivion again with the uh, trade of Mike Matheson and the signing now of Cody Cece. So that's where I was wrong. I said they should move on from Yuso Rikula for his own benefit. And I said they must sign Dom Simone, which it doesn't seem like they're looking to do that as of right now. Horwat, I gave you half credit on, on one. You got a seven and a half out of nine by my count. Again, you said must sign Dom Simone. So we already, we already went over that wrong. But you also said move on from Evan Rodriguez, which they did. <laughs> and then they didn't. And then they didn't. So, so you get a half credit because, yeah, they did move on from him. They cut bait. They traded him to, to Toronto. Yet, 
here he is on our cap friendly page. Here he is. He's going to be on our team again next season. So I gave you half credit for that. What are your thoughts on, we, we did a pretty good job. Yeah, that's, we did a very good job. Apparently Jim Rutherford listens to the show. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, we love everything you do. I have your bobblehead up there somewhere, but the Dom Simone one, I think is the biggest shock. Honestly, I think mostly because he was an RFA. I think everyone was expecting him to come back, but I guess a lot of RFA has been getting cut. So COVID will do that to you, apparently. And as for everything else, yeah, the, the Evan Rodriguez one was fun because I felt very adamant about being perfectly okay with cutting bait on everyone we re-signed or we picked up at the trade deadline. I was very okay with losing all of those trades just to change the team identity going forward apparently that was one that i guess we had always kept our eye on after the trade to see what was happening and we let the maple leafs deal with it and they dealt with it and now he's back here for cheaper cool if now that he's cheaper it's better i'm okay with that i don't know what i was expecting with him being a very high paid rfa the buffalo tax maybe was part of it the Buffalo tax. Whatever that's called. Whenever teams have to sign players for hire because they have to reach the cap floor, i.e. the yeah. Senators right now. But maybe that was just because Buffalo had the extra space. They were able to pay Rodriguez a little more. We weren't going to be able to pay him that much, straight up. But getting him now for $700,000, sure. He can sit on our bench because I don't know how much he's going to play because now, now we have so many... NHL-ready depth forwards, it's kind of ridiculous, but so be it. The team's different now. It's what I wanted. Yeah, and if we learned anything last season, it is the more depth guys you have, the better because of how many injuries the Penguins faced last season. So it's good to have a guy like Evan Rodriguez back in the depth for the Pittsburgh Penguins. couple things here that's interesting. Dom Simone, of course, he was facing injury at the end of the season, didn't really get to play in the playoffs. So it makes sense the Penguins decided not to re-sign him, especially whenever they went out and they acquired Kasperi Kapanen, somebody to play on the right side of Sidney Crosby's line. So that made sense to me. Evan Rodriguez, it kind of balanced it out because while Evan Rodriguez, yeah, we sent him out in that trade and then he came back. We also acquired Pontus Auberg, who, like you said whenever this happened, is signed in Russia on the KHL team. And he's still an RFA. We haven't, we tendered him an offer, a qualifying offer, but we haven't signed him yet. So who knows? Maybe we lose Pontus Auberg and all it does is just cancel those two parts out of the trade. We could probably just assume he's waiting on the word of what's happening with the NHL and the AHL officially because he's playing. He's going to go somewhere where he's able to play. He's not going to sign here and then the AHL is canceled. And then the NHL was pushed back, you know, until whatever time. So now he's losing playing time. He's making the right move on waiting, I think. I since we offered him an offered him a contract, it shouldn't screw us over. I don't know how cap situations work, but we at least tender him an offer because we kind of had to. Um, and if anything, he'll play in Russia until the NHL and AHL make a decision. So. Smart move. He'll be a, he. I don't think he'd see too much NHL time anyway. But who knows? We have we all we've also signed NHL guys or AHL guys that would probably be called up before him anyway. Yeah, he he's not too high in the depth chart, and there's no way that if we even did sign him, I don't think he's gonna count against the NHL salary cap because the NHL right now 
the team for the NHL for the Penguins has 23 rostered players. So I doubt that even if they did sign him, his cap would go against the NHL cap to start off the season. So for him, it's again, it's a game of weight and it's something that is smart on his part. He wants to play and he has to prove something because he isn't a bona fide NHLer yet. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Something else that popped up this week. A possible fourth jersey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is something that got a lot of press oh, yeah. both it's... in Pittsburgh and nationwide because it was kind of the first of these fourth alternate reverse color jerseys. They got dropped. It got dropped pretty much similar time and leaked. I shouldn't say dropped. It leaked. We don't have official word as of recording this, but if you look at it, if you find it on our social page at Iceberg Podcast, it is a white jersey. Kind of nice. <laughs> it's nice. I love it. You brought back the horizontal lettering. It says Pittsburgh right down the middle like the old Snoop Dogg gin and tonic or gin and juice jerseys back in the 90s. Has the alternate Penn's third logo on the patches, the one from the gold jerseys. The sleeve striping looks to be at an angle, so a little bit of a throwback to that as well. And the gold, unless I just got a weird picture, the gold has a little bit of a different shade, not really the Pittsburgh gold. So it's a little bit of a switch up on that, almost like the Pirates' old Sunday jerseys when it had kind of that closer to a mustard gold instead of the vibrant yellow gold. I loved them. What were your thoughts on this jersey? And of course, like I said, if you haven't seen them, Go check out our social page at Iceberg Podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter, and we have the picture posted up there. Yeah, I absolutely love them. I mean, first of all, the leak started a trend of a bunch of people on every team just starting to make these mock-ups. I've seen a bunch of mock-ups of every team's possible fourth jersey because it's because along with the leak came the idea that the NHL is trying to implement what do they call it? Reverse retro. That's what I think it's, it was called. I can't remember the exact term they used, but yeah, I think reverse retro was the exact term. Where they're trying to use like their current colors on an old jersey, which with some teams, you're using the same damn colors. Actually, hell, if you're the Canadians, you're shit out of luck because you've been using the same jersey since 1922. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting seeing some of these mock-ups start to be thrown around like just before we started recording here i saw one for the sharks that was an old seals jersey the light blue the yellow and the white and the sh and like the seals writing but it says sharks these are not you know official or even leaks these are just fan mock-ups the vegas one that doug sent us was ugly i'll say that yeah yeah friend of the show doug gladke sent us a red mock-up of a vegas jersey that it looked like somebody may have made it on NHL 21. Yeah. To be fair, the idea of using their alternate logo is a great idea. They don't have a team per se to throw back to, except they do. What, what it was? I forget what the team was. It's the Vegas something. And that's kind of what it's supposed to be going for. That one apparently is a leak, though. That one's not a mock-up. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, none of this is official, obviously. Correct. None of this yeah, is not... officially official. It's kind of just something. Along with the Penguins leak, though, the Flyers leak happened as well. And for once, I'm looking at a Flyers jersey going, holy shit, that's a nice-looking jersey. <laughs> it's Ugh. I kind of like it because it's not their normal setup, I guess. Something about orange and black is a very bad combination, but this one works. I like orange and white a lot. Orange and black works this week. And this week only because it's Halloween. And that's about it. That's fair. But yeah, it's 
for once I look at a Flyers jersey and I go, you know what, that's kind of nice. I'm not a, I'm not totally against these teams that want to put eighty thousand different designs on the same jersey as long as they're not ads. I like I like it when there's a lot happening on a jersey. I don't know why. If you want to keep adding stripes, go for it. Hence the reason you like the Penn's gradient jersey, isn't it? Love the gradient. I mean, honestly, that's what they should have gone with. Else. Hey, the, the Pittsburgh horizontal lettering, that's a good second. Yeah. It, anything that involves the RoboPen would have been ideal, but mm-hmm. um, I digress from that because we're not getting that. There's got to be something up with that, why we don't get it. I know those articles that were written in The Athletic about it really didn't mention anything about uh, copyright or reasons why, because it's not even in video games. I feel like you know, there's got to be payment and copyright issues to get stuff put into a video game but so there might be something there but it wasn't mentioned in the article so who knows what's holding it all back either way the jerseys we might be getting that look similar to the one behind me uh are very nice i will be first in line to buy them probably yeah and now here's the big question since it is a white jersey do they wear them at home or that is that just a road jersey so do we start to see a reverse to white home jerseys i think the NHL is going to start playing very loose with what you're allowed to wear. Not not allowed to wear at home, but with what you are wearing at home. I've noticed that, at least this season, I don't know if this has been common throughout, but the NFL, the home team has been wearing the white jersey a lot. That is true. That's something that, I mean, the team in Pittsburgh, the Steelers, are, are really never going to do, even though the white jerseys for the Steelers are are premium. They're going to wear their home blacks all the time. Yeah, but I know it's like the Cowboys are almost always wearing their whites at home. Mm-hmm. Um, They've always done that, though. Okay, that that part I really wasn't sure of. But I think yeah. part of it also, though, is uh, I notice a lot of the Southern teams will wear their whites at home for the weather mm-hmm. to kind of not wear a dark color in the heat, which I get. But we're an indoor sport. <laughs> so... I think the NHL is going to start playing a little more fast and loose with that and start saying just wear whatever you want the home team decides, which is kind mm-hmm. of the way it should be because a lot of these teams, the Sabres, for example, keep making these new jerseys, but they're white, so you can't wear them in front of your home crowd. Or you can, but you have to do some weird switching. I don't know. The way I see it, though, I like a lot of the away jerseys. Personally, I think the white, as I'm wearing a plain white hoodie, it's a sleek look. It looks nice. It's clean. So as you mentioned, white jerseys, you like a lot of road jerseys. What we're going to do now is we're going to give our top five NHL jerseys that are being used right now. But what we're going to do is we're going to go one one by one, back and forth, starting with number five. I'll start it off. And this is one that I don't think is going to be a popular opinion. But I really like the Minnesota Wilds home jerseys. They're home green jerseys. I'm usually not a fan of green on any type of clothing. I worked at a clothing store. When people came in and asked for green dress shirts, I I almost puked on them. Like, green in in clothing usually, to me, doesn't mix. But I feel like the way that Minnesota uses the forest green here works really well with that tannish. It's not even a white. It's kind of like a pearl or a tannish stripe right on the chest and arm piece. And then I have a whole new respect for that logo specifically because somebody actually explained it to me and explained how much detail it actually goes into the logo and also the fact that it's a bear i knew that but like the north star being the eye and the trees and everything else that went into it i just had a lot more respect for that logo itself and then the jersey as a whole i i, I just like so Horat, what is your number five favorite 
Uh, my number five, I, I know they got a lot of flack for it, but I really liked it. It's the Carolina Hurricanes away, new away jerseys. No, they say Canes they, down the side. They say the Canes front. down the side. And it, it includes, like, the helmet with the new, like, 3D logo. It's just a good setup. I like the idea of changing it up. Carolina's a team that likes to change it up. And, honestly, anything was better than their Red Rocket uniforms where they had, like, the all-red <laughs> Oh. And you could barely see the logo. Anything is better than that. So, the Hurricanes away that says Canes down the diagonal. It's a really nice jersey. It's funny you mention that because my number four actually is a Canes jersey. My number four favorite jersey in the NHL right now is the Carolina Hurricanes take warning third jersey. Black and gray. One of my favorite color combinations. I think that's very underutilized whenever you put black and gray together. And then you throw in that touch of red right around the shoulders and the neck. It looks sick. I, I'm not going to lie. It looks really sick. I'm not a huge Carolina Hurricanes fan, but that is one of the jerseys that if I was to get a jersey of another team right now, that'd be top of my list. I mean, and also the third logo, the Hurricane Warning logo, it just looks cool. I, I think that whole jersey together, and it also helps that they went the whole way to the Eastern Conference Finals wearing it in 2019 it was it looks really nice and like you said it, it's a far cry from that all red ensemble that they had before so they finally switched it up i thought it went perfectly with their team and their team identity is the bunch of jerks it's something that was different and not a lot of people did it so that's why i really like their take warning jerseys yeah it's another jersey that got a lot of flack whenever it came out but i just it's a good jersey too i think it's the issue I find with it, that the fact they have everything gray on the on the shoulders is weird. Like the North Carolina State flag is in gray and the logo is in gray. But it's also a great jersey. My point is I don't like when teams wear their thirds in the playoffs. I don't know why. I'm, Did you not like it when the Penguins wore their Pittsburgh Golds in 2016? At the time, I was iffy with it, but I think we all knew oh. it was going to be I think we all knew it was going to be the official one anyway. So maybe Fair. that was a little different. Fair. The only reason I don't like it, here's a prime example, because we won wearing the Ve the Vegas gold or the khaki color anyway. Mm -hmm. So when you see like all the pictures at the celebration, we're wearing the old jersey, but then our banner is the black and yellow. No, the 2016 one. Oh, it's it is black the black and, and yellow. yellow. The mind. only gold one is 2009. Yeah, so you true. get a little issue there. I, I don't hate it. It's just not my forte. Whenever teams it feels a little nitpicky to me, to be completely honest. It is, and that's just the way <laughs> I am. But the team that currently, well, they do now, my fourth, the Vegas Golden Knights away jerseys. Huh. Again, another that's white your fourth. one. Another white. Okay. It's very clean, and the white on the gray numbering, it's nice. The gold stripes, I don't mind the gold per se, I guess. I like that gold. I like like the little designs they put in it. Vegas is uh, very much utilizing new, I don't know how styles. to put it, styles into their jerseys, and it's awesome. So you go, you're going Vegas Road is your four, right? That was your four? Four. That was your four. My third, let's go to the Stanley Cup champions. I love Tampa Bay's logo as a whole. I love it since they removed the, the lettering oh, on the top and the like script the on the top. More. I think it looks... I think it looks better without it. I think it looks cleaner. I'm a fan of minimalist logos. But if I have to pick my favorite of the Tampa Bay jerseys, it has to be their third. Yes! It, 
again, the black and gray together mm -hmm. look really good. And then to have that gradient on the sleeve from the black to the gray, it looks really good. And it looks clean on. Yeah, if you look at pictures of it off, it's kind of, well, how's this going to look? And that's how I thought initially when I saw it. But seeing it on the ice and seeing them wear it during games, it's clean. It, it is one of the best jerseys in the league. Of course, my third favorite jersey in the league right now. That one, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was fighting back and forth with myself as to whether or not I should mention it. But here it is on your list at least, so I will take it. It's a great, it's just a great new idea that, again, it's a gradient. It's a fade. Mm -hmm. It's something that needs to be utilized a little more. We can, we have the technology to do it. <laughs> Use it. Utilize it. Make, have some fun. It's not like you're wearing it every day. Have some fun with the ones you're not wearing every day. You said that's your three. Uh, my three, I'm a, I'll be a homer. It's our away jerseys right now. I like it. It's a clean one. It's right behind your head. It's a clean, I'm trying to describe it. I like the white and the yellow contrast each other fairly well. And the striping's perfect. So I got no more to say on it. It's a great jersey. The our away jerseys. Yeah, I don't know why. I, just, I tried not to pick any Penguins jerseys because I wanted to try to see which ones I liked out of it. Obviously, they're one of my favorite jerseys. I don't have them in this particular list for that simple reason that I just tried to go away from it. And going far away from the black and gold, the red, white, and blue. I love the New York Rangers home jerseys. Mm, I like and I'm not partial. More, yes. Yeah, I'm not. I feel like I'm slightly impartial because that was the same basic jersey that I wore in high school. We had the same kind of thing, but instead of it saying Rangers down the front, it, it said Richland. So that's that's one of the reasons I like, but also the classic blue Jersey. I mean, you think of the players wearing that Gretzky, you think of Messier, one of my personal favorites. I, I loved seeing Martin San Louis in the Ranger blue. And again, as we mentioned, when we talked a little bit before with the new Pittsburgh Jersey or the quote unquote leaked Pittsburgh Jersey, the horizontal lettering down the front is timeless. It, it really is. And so with that, and then the fact that, you think about New York. You think about New York hockey specifically. There's something sacred about the Broadway blue shirts. So that's why that's my second favorite jersey in the NHL. Yeah, I like the white ones a little more because mm. the striping on the shoulder, again, I, I don't mind a jersey with a lot going on. Um, and actually, the Rangers have not made a bad jersey. Even the ones with uh, the Statue Lady of Liberty, Liberty. logo mm -hmm. or... Even their, even their stadium series jerseys, all of them kicked ass. The Rangers have not made a bad jersey in their day. I mean, that's good. They are a team from New York, so I'm sure their marketing department has to be top. Yeah. But that, as you said, your number three or two? Two. Two. Uh, my number two is fairly simple. It's the Kachina. I don't really... You know what? Hot take, I guess. I don't really like the Kachina jersey all that much. It's fair. It is... I will say it is like really looked at as like the end all be all of the best jersey in NHL. It's not that. No. It's not. In fact, my number one is also not the best, but the Kachina, I just had to say it because it is still a great jersey. It is going to be the official apparently, according to Corey uh, and Richie I don't on the like after that. hours. Hey, I, I don't like that. The white will probably look nicer. Again, me and these damn white jerseys, it'll probably look nicer. That's true. And... Flores, Dick Flo, is hard on getting it all oh, praising all over the place. 
Um, yeah. He's big on getting back their green thirds. The one that was like just the head. I think those were green. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, listen to the after hours, and there's a little more detail into there. But he's he wants the greens to come back too. Okay, I mean, again, I'm not too big of a fan of the Kachinas. Yeah, I think they are cool. No, I wouldn't say that they're in top five nicest jerseys. I personally like their home jerseys, their red home jerseys, or maroon or whatever color it is. I, I like the one that isn't the Kachina, but, I mean, to, to each their own. And I do want to mention my number one favorite. You already mentioned it earlier in your list. I love the Vegas Golden Knights Road jersey. For some reason, when I got a Vegas jersey, I got the home jersey, mainly because I had just bought two road jerseys, as anybody watching can see behind me, and I did not want another white jersey for me to mess up. But the fact that the Golden Knights jersey, I think the white gloves the white definitely gloves get them bonus it. points. I forgot about that they, part. They get them bonus points. Again, you mentioned the gray and gold combination. I love it. I like their homes. But again, the road jersey, something about the white, as you keep mentioning, something about that white. It's sleeves, man. It's clean. So I'm still not a fan of the all gold jersey, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But the white, my favorite non-Pittsburgh Penguins jersey in the NHL right now. There it is. And my number one, before I say it, I just want you to shout out NHL Uniform Database. If you don't know that site, know that site. It is amazing. Um, but my number one... It hasn't really been seen yet. It is one of the new ones. It is the Calgary Flames new roads, new road jerseys, the white. I originally had written down their homes, but then I just decided to take a second look and I saw their aways and they're way nicer. The red patching on the, on the shoulders makes it for me. They're going back to their old McDonald's colors, I guess you could say, because it is like a white and yellow combination. But there's something about just the sea of red. Can't go wrong with the the flaming sea of red and it the white is sleek just the way it looks it's great i have no more words on it just the flames new away jerseys are uh, my new favorites well there you have it our top five lists of our favorite current nhl jerseys and we'll post that like i said on our twitter page on our instagram page follow us on both of those at Iceberg Podcast. We're going to move on here on this episode. As we mentioned earlier, we have an interview with Ken Stapon. That'll come up right after the break. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. 
We are joined now by Ken Stafon, host of the Not Another Leafs pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as a contributor to TSN 1050 Radio in Toronto. How's it going today, Ken? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here and uh, have some chatter about uh, some former Maple Leafs that have joined your club. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was definitely an offseason where the pipeline between Toronto and Pittsburgh was reborn again. And, and as you mentioned, there's two Leafs now that have come to Pittsburgh, one being, of course, Kasperi Kapanen. You're pretty outspoken about your love of this move by Kyle Dubas. But for our side, what type of play can we expect from Kapanen when he suits up in a Penguins uniform next year? Well, first and foremost, it's important to recognize the fact that Kapanen actually was a player that came from Pittsburgh over to Toronto when we sent Phil the Thrill Kessel down there, and that ended up working okay, okay for you guys with a, a couple of cups with him on the roster. Kapanen is a player that kind of just got pigeonholed in Toronto, to be honest. There was a logjam of wingers in front of him. Obviously, he wasn't going to surpass either William Nylander or Mitch Marner on the right side of that lineup. So he was kind of stuck in a third-line role. I like this player a lot. He's got grit. He's got tenacity. He can kill penalties. He's going to be, by my estimation, probably the fastest player on your roster as far as top-end speed, which should prove to be pretty useful if you're going to be playing on the wing with either Geno Malkin or Sidney Crosby. I don't know what, uh, what you guys have in plan, but he certainly, Jim Rutherford, was open about the fact that they expect him to be playing in a third or a top six role, rather, with the club. He's a really good player, uh, top end's talents. I think his finish leaves a little bit to be desired, but at that cap hit, there's a lot of growth for him to make, and I think it's a good acquisition for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and you mentioned it a little bit there that he did get kind of pigeonholed with, with Marner and Nylander, but there were times that, from what I remember, that Kapanen would play on the top six with either Tavares or with Matthews. And it seemed like sometimes it just didn't work out even when he was on that line. Now, is that a product of him just having to be on the opposite wing because of those guys on the right? Or is it just something that he didn't work out for him being in that top six role with those guys? Tough to say. Uh, when you're switching wings, as uh, you noted before, uh, the earlier on in the season, he was playing on the wing with Austin Matthews when Zach Hyman was still recovering from his injury. For whatever reason, he just never looked comfortable playing there. And it could just be a representation of him playing on the left side rather than the right. He didn't feel comfortable. Or it could be a representation that against the higher, stiffer competition that Matthews is often asked to skate against, the best players on the other team, that he wasn't at a place confidence-wise or at a skill level where he could still produce the results that he was producing against bottom six forwards. So it's a little bit of a coin flip for that one. I think that there is a little bit more to see from Kapanen. And I think that he can still grow and produce a little bit more, especially if he can get some finish to his game, because you guys are going to notice almost immediately, this guy gets a ton of breakaways for your club because his top end speed is so fast. It'll really just come down to if Sid's going to be able to feed him the puck, which I don't think will really be an issue from his perspective and whether Kapanen's able to bury some of those opportunities, which left something to be desired for Toronto fans when you see him getting, you know, a couple of breakaways a game and he can't finish him off. You, know, you mentioned that he doesn't have a lot of finish, but has a lot of speed and moves. That reminds me a lot of a Dominic Simone type player. So that's something we'll have to look out for, for sure. Cause he was a great uh, uh, winger for Crosby, but in this trade that brought Kapanen back to Pittsburgh, Philip Hollander was also sent the other way going back to Toronto. And he was a guy that had a fair shot of making uh, the Penguins roster in a season or two. Uh, but what are his chances of making the Toronto Maple Leafs lineup? Like, could this trade have hampered his chances, or is he have he seen a guy that can make it possibly? I know that Kyle Dubas is very high on this prospect. 
when he was coming up. Uh, it remains to be seen whether he'll be able to crack the opening lineup right out of the gate. I think that's probably fairly unlikely. He'll probably be playing in an AHL role, likely. Uh, if the AHL even ends up firing it up, who knows what's going to happen with that league. But they're pretty log-jammed right now. As far as the forwards group, you saw a lot of their offseason signings, rather bringing in Wayne Simmons, bringing in Joe Thornton, bringing in Jimmy VC. I think they're looking for more NHL-ready talent to plug into those roles rather than looking for younger prospects who potentially could contribute down the road. Like, I love the addition, and maybe in a couple of years he can fit in in that role. But in the short term, I don't see him cracking the opening day roster unless there's a, a ton of injuries and they get really strapped at that position. And I think a big thing with that is, too, didn't they signed a couple of veterans down for the bottom six centers, and, and Hollander is a center down there. So in a couple of years, may, who knows, maybe those signings are just conducive to getting through the next couple of years, trying to get through that beginning of the cup window, and then maybe when Hollander's ready, he could be a good third or fourth line center for you guys. Well, you got to replenish the cabinet. You know, J Jim Rutherford, among <laughs> other GMs, has been very, very, uh, let's say, active when it comes to trading draft picks. And that's what you have to do when you're a team like Pittsburgh, where you have a window where you have two of the most dominant players in the league and there's a shelf life on those guys. They aren't there yet. And as long as they're on the roster, the Penguins are going to feel that they are going to be in the conversation and able to compete with anybody in a seven game series for the Maple Leafs. They've extended themselves over the last couple of seasons as well, sending out a ton of first round picks. They had to dish their first round pick this year to get out of the Patrick Marlowe deal. They had to trade their first round pick last year to bring Jake Muzzin over from the LA Kings. So they've been dishing a lot of prospects out and a lot of draft capital. At some point you have to bring in some guys that are going to be able to help the team in the future. And also perhaps you could package with other players and assets to bring in some help that you could, you need in the short term to make your team better. I love the Hollander addition and we'll see how it plays out down the road. Now, from what I understand, Cody Cece was kind of the whipping boy in Toronto. We, we understand that pretty well with Jack Johnson being on the team the last two years in Pittsburgh. But how bad was he for the Leafs? I mean, was it a case of the player being judged against a poor cap hit? Or was he just genuinely an awful player on the back end for you guys? When we look at players in this league, and an unfortunate situation is, is that in a hard cap league, you're going to be tied to the amount of money that you're making. And that's going to be the basis of how you're judged based off your production. Now, Cody Cece came over to Toronto in their ditching of the Nikita Zaitsev deal, which was one of Lou Lamorello's uh, not-so-great signings before he peeled out of Toronto. The player had some issues off the ice, so they were able to move that contract out. Cody Cece was the money coming back from Ottawa, a $4.5 million cap it. I think that he got a bad rap in Toronto because he was just simply miscast in his role. He was asked to play oftentimes on the right side of Morgan Riley, playing against top competition on the other teams. And he was exposed because he's not a top two defenseman. And at a $4.5 million cap it, most Toronto Maple Leaf fans would be pretty happy with the fact that TJ Brody will now be assuming that role at just 500 k more a year, AAV. Now, in the role in Pittsburgh, where he's a much lesser cap hit, I don't know what the exact number was. What was it, 1.2 or 1.3 million a, yeah, a year? About. Something around there. Yeah, something around there. He'll likely be playing either in the top four or top six, maybe even as a third-pairing guy. In that role, I don't hate him at all. I think it's just based off the competition and being miscast that a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans didn't have an affiliation for this player. And I expect him to have a decent season. Let's not forget the GM of the Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas, was super high on this guy and even was defending him after he left Toronto. He was saying the analytics showed that he's a really good player and was a really good player for our team. 
Now that's harder to sell to Maple Leaf fans when you see him turn the puck over and ends up in the back of your net. But playing in a lesser role in Pittsburgh, I think he could be a really sustainable player for you guys. Yeah, Shane Ryan of the Senators podcast said that um, CC just never got loved because he was never in a specific role, at least in Ottawa. You know, one night he was told to be an offensive defenseman, another he would have been told to be defensive. So he at least has to be better than Jack Johnson in this situation, correct? Well, it all comes down to, like you said, just being comfortable in the role. Yeah. I think if uh, Pittsburgh has an idea of where they want him to play, it's not going to be necessarily as elevative of a role as it was in Toronto or what he was asked to do in Ottawa. And he can just go out there and do what he needs to do against middle-of-the-road competition rather than the top six on the other team. I think that he'll be successful. And we'll see what the pairing ends up being. I don't think that him and Morgan Riley were necessarily the most conducive partners because Riley sort of likes to have a stay-at-home defenseman as his partner. You know, his most productive year was when he was playing with Ron Hainsey. Cody Ceci has the ability to move the puck up the ice and sort of be a little bit more of a two-way guy. As you noted earlier in his career, he was touted as a more offensively-oriented defenseman. It was only later that he sort of has made this transition into having to be a more defensively responsible player. So we'll see how it pans out, but I think uh, you're onto something there. It comes down to being comfortable and understanding what you're going to be asked of from the organization, from the team, and understanding how you can contribute. I think that he'll have that opportunity in Pittsburgh better than he did in Ottawa or Toronto. So now we're going to switch to talking about more Just Leaf stuff. So um, I said in the most recent episode of the Hockey Podcast Network After Hours that John Tavares is a very overrated player. And just about everyone in the in the call agreed with me. I just want to know your thoughts on that. Well, define overrated again. If we're talking about the cap hit versus the player, then I mean to... he's, he's he's a top five player in the league as far as the amount of money that he's making. Right now, is he a top five player in the league as far as talents? I think that there's a number of players like you can, you could make the case that he certainly is not even close to that conversation. But I don't think that that diminishes his value to the Toronto Maple Leafs and what he can bring, obviously wearing the captaincy, his experience of playing for several, several years and captaining the team in the Island, although they didn't have the most success in the playoffs and his experience playing with team Canada. Let's not forget that this is a player who's one year removed from a 47 goal campaign in his initial season. And this year was sort of hampered with injuries all year. He was dealing with the finger issue early and you know how that can affect your shooting, affect your confidence. And he never really seemed to get as comfortable as he was last year with either of his line mates, whether it was playing with William Nylander or playing with Mitch Marner. I would expect that Sheldon Keefe next year will probably try to get a resurgence of that line and that production with Tavares, Marner, and then whoever else he wants to throw on the wing, whether it's Zach Hyman or Ilya Mikheyev. But at the end of the day, if you're going to pay the big players the big money, you're going to need the big players to show up in big moments. And obviously in game five against Columbus, it was circled that he hit the post early in that game and they weren't able to solve the puzzle that was the Columbus netminder in that series. And it is what it is. You're going to ride or die with your big guns. Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, they didn't produce as much as they needed to in the postseason and they got stoned by the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're going to need to be better. And that certainly starts with the captain, John Tavares. So maybe it's not so much overrated as it is at the moment, at least overpaid because he is the highest paid on the team, isn't he? Uh, also, Matthews edges him out. I believe Tavares's cap hit comes in. Yeah, it's, it's around 11 million. There might be a couple hundred thousand, give or take, as we just okay. casually throw out a couple hundred thousand dollars. But also, yeah. Matthews is the biggest, is the highest paid player on the team at, uh, I believe it's 11.5 or 11.6 okay. AAV. He's number two. But no doubt they need the 
captain yeah. to produce at a higher level. I would expect to see a big bounce back year from him this year where he's towing that 42-44 goal mark. I just really think he never got comfortable this season and the finger injury really hampered his production. And in a crazy season as well, you have to also take into fact that everybody dealt with the COVID-19 stuff coming out and shortening the season in its own right. So it's going to be interesting to see if John Tavares can bounce back like you're mentioning. But the big thing this offseason that Dubas was looking for, other than, of course, the resurgence of some of his star players stepping up into those roles in another year older for that young core. I mean, we talked a lot about the Pens offseason. We always say younger, faster. That's all Jim Rutherford has been telling us since the Pens got eliminated by the Canadians. He said, I want to get younger. I want to get faster. But Dubas, on the other hand, kind of looking for more experience and more grit in that bottom six, getting somebody like Wayne Simmons, getting somebody on the defensive side like Bogosian, and then, of course, bringing in Jumbo Joe Thornton. What are your thoughts on the direction Dubas took this offseason to try to address some of the issues that the Maple Leafs had this past year? Well, if it's uh, Jim, Rutherford's Jim Rutherford's philosophy to get younger and faster, it seems to be Kyle Dubas's philosophy to get older and grittier. With his moves this offseason, bringing in some savvy veterans and Joe Thornton, Zach Bogosian, Wayne Simmons. I think that this is a departure for the Toronto Maple Leafs on how they structured their team and how they built their team based off the philosophy that they're going to win with just skill and raw talent over needing those other areas of the game. I think that they've been exposed the last couple of years when they've entered playoff series. This year, it wasn't even necessarily a playoff series. Let's not forget the Maple Leafs technically weren't a playoff team this year, as neither were the Pittsburgh Penguins because they both got eliminated in that qualifying round. And that's unacceptable for where these two organizations are expected to be. I think that Kyle Dubas looked his roster up and down, saw that Columbus structured their roster with a lot of those sort of role players, and that Toronto was lacking in that category. I think he did a good job of addressing it, adding some more depth on the back end in Zach Bogosian, adding some more depth forwards up front who are going to be more difficult to play against. I'm not necessarily sure if this translates to more wins in the regular season for the Maple Leafs than they would have had if they could have kept players such as Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen, who certainly will likely put up higher production than the players that they brought in. But I really do believe that this team is going to be much more difficult to play in a seven-game series with Wayne Simmons, with Joe Thornton, and with Zach Bogosian on the back end than they were over the last couple seasons. So with these new additions, I mean, does this make the team better or worse overall, I guess to say? Because I, for one, think it's definitely not the right direction per se, but I guess thinking about it overall in a way of how much grit these guys bring, um, they are a harder team to play against. Does it make them better or worse, though? Well, it remains to be seen, right? The one beauty yep. thing about these deals for Kyle Dubas is that they're all one-year contracts. So he's not tied to them long-term. It's Wayne Simmons, one year, 1.5. Joe Thornton, one year, 700K. Zach Bogosian, one year. It's uh, around a million bucks. It's not a really high-risk situation for the Maple Leafs, and they're still able to keep a lot of their top-end talent which, as we had highlighted before, is really what's going to drive the team. It's not going to be the production of the third line or the fourth line or the third defensive pairing. They need their top guys to be producing at elite levels consistently for them to have success. I think that the players that they brought in subsidize some of these top players in different ways than players that they brought in in the past. And likely, I think, if when it comes down to this team, in a similar way that – the Pittsburgh Penguins have been discussed over the last couple of years. It's not about regular season success anymore. Nobody cares if you're going to finish in the top three of the Metropolitan Division and you know, you're going to rack up a 100-point season in the regular season and you're going to kill the Florida Panthers or you're going to kill the Arizona Coyotes by six goals every time you play them. That's arbitrary. 
for you guys, they want to see a seven-game series win against the Washington Capitals and to advance to that next round. They want to see the Eastern Conference Finals playoff berth. Otherwise, it's going to be a failure of a season. That's kind of where Toronto's at, but they haven't even had the success in the regular season necessarily and certainly haven't had the success in the postseason. I mean, they haven't won a playoff round since, I don't know, it's the early 2000s. I forget when the exact time it was. It was like 2003 or something like that. It's, they've been miserable in the postseason. So that will be the expectation moving forward. And it's going to be tough in the Atlantic because if the playoffs shake out the way that they have over the last couple seasons, that likely means that for the Maple Leafs, they're going to have a first-round date with either the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, or the big bad Boston Bruins who have quite simply made us their, made us their little, uh, well, they're our daddy, really, <laughs> when it comes down to it. Like, they've just annihilated us over the last couple of seasons. So it'll be a tough road for the Maple Leafs, and they'll be judged based off the success that they can have in the postseason rather than the success that they can have in the regular season. So also all these signings kind of add more depth, per se, to your team. Um, does that mean Nicholas uh, Robertson have a chance to make the team out of camp, or is he pushed out again? Ooh, this is a tough question. It'll be a hot-button issue in Toronto. Obviously, he's been uh, well-documented, the success he's had at the OHL level, putting up bushels of goals last season. It'll remain to be seen if he can crack the opening day roster. I think a lot of it will come down to what the CHL decides to do. Because if this player is not going to be able to continue to develop and continue to get repetitions, I know in the OHL in particular, they were floating a theory that they would be able to play, but there would be no hitting. That's not beneficial for anybody. They should just cancel the season if that's going to be the case, because how are these players going to develop? It's not going to help you to be playing in a league where it's basically shinny out there, and then you're going to come up at the NHL level, and all of a sudden, like you said, you've got Jake Muzzin or Zach Bogosian or some of these bigger defensemen who are just ready to hammer you on the boards. If if the OHL does decide that they're going to go that route, I would not be surprised to either see some of these depth forwards either loaned out to European teams where they can go play, as we've already seen the Toronto Maple Leafs have some players playing in European leagues actively at the moment, or if they just keep them on the big roster just because. I think that if Robertson does make the opening day roster, though, it'll be in a much smaller role, likely playing fourth line minutes, and maybe you could see him on the third pairing, or the third line, rather but it won't be uh, any huge contributions from this player as likely it'll take a couple of years for him to assimilate to the speed of the NHL game from what he's traditionally been used to at the OHL level. Uh, another situation that you guys have been not maybe not situation you guys have been having recently, but a lot of talks have made about uh, Frederick Anderson. How much longer is he staying on the Leafs? Well, at least one more year, right? We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens yep. in the future. I mean, the, he's in the last year of his contract. He signed a five-year, $25 million contract, and it's kind of a uh, sink or swim for this goaltender now. It's been well-documented, his lack of success in the postseason. He seems to give up the unopportunistic goal at bad times against good teams in Game 7s, which has caught him a lot of criticism in this market, if you can imagine. But at the bottom line is, is that you don't make it to the postseason if you aren't locking it down in the regular season. This guy has faced a ton of rubber. I believe the only goaltender who's faced more over the last two seasons, Connor Heliabuck in Winnipeg. The Maple Leafs don't play a defensively oriented or defensively structured game. And with that in front of him, he hasn't been given the tools to succeed necessarily in the regular season, but he's put up tremendous numbers. Also, let's not forget that the, from the, for the backup position over the last couple of years, it's been a rotating door. They seem to have a little bit of stability now with the addition of Jack Campbell, and I would expect to see probably about 30 to 35 starts out of him, which should alleviate the workload on Anderson quite a bit. 
I think that in the best case scenario, you'd like to see him around 50, 55 games. The other issue is down the stretch. They haven't been able to separate themselves into a bona fide playoff position. So they end up riding this guy for the last 15 games of the year. He comes into the playoffs. He's exhausted. And then, you know, the in and out, the rigors of that, he has uh, one good game and one terrible game. And you feel like a lot of that has to come down to fatigue. I like this goaltender a lot if he's rested. I like this goaltender a lot for what he's done before the club and his success in the regular season. But it'll be sink or swim time. And as we talked about before, it's all about the postseason success. And unless he can change the story and change the narrative that he can't get it done in a big game, then it's going to be, uh, I would expect, his last year in Toronto unless uh, they can switch something around on that front. And you mentioned Jack Campbell coming in, and I think that is going to be huge for the Leafs this year. I mean, finally somebody that they can rely on to take more than 15 of the games started out of the way or at least 30, maybe 35 games from Frederick Anderson to give him that time off. And another thing you mentioned a little bit earlier is the rough road through the Atlantic Division. I mean, now you have, like you mentioned, the Boston Bruins who have been kind of a kind of a boogeyman for you guys. And then, of course, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning who just went and won the Stanley Cup. But there have also been rumors of the possibility of an all-Canadian division next season. So that would really switch it up and kind of get you guys away from you, those two teams. Not to say that you're trying to get away from them but it would separate you from that division. Do you feel like that would help or hurt the Maple Leafs? Well, the Canadian teams are pretty good right now, aren't they? That's outside true. Of, uh, outside of the noted rebuild that the Ottawa Senators are going through, I'd say the other six teams are in as good of a position as just about anybody in the league. You look at the run that the Canucks went on, obviously they had some difficulties in free agency and made some changes, so it'll be difficult to project how they're going to be able to have the same success. But the Calgary Flames got better. I think whenever you have a player of the caliber of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid on a team, you're going to be able to compete in a seven-game series. The big question for Edmonton will be, can they lock down the goaltending position if they're going to get good play out of Koskinen and Mike Smith? But they're a better team. The Montreal Canadiens added some goaltending depth and Jake Allen. That'll take some stress off Carey Price. And you guys saw firsthand what a healthy Carey Price is capable of. They also added some additions up front. And Josh Anderson coming over for Col from Columbus. They've got a couple of other players, so they got harder to play against. I'm not sure that all Canadian division is really that much better for any of these teams than it would be if they stayed in their respective divisions. Now I will say that there has been a lot of commentary about this on uh, our station TSN 1050 about what this might look like. I think this is kind of going to be like just a beginning of the season kind of thing to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit, see if they can figure out a safe way where they can get the border crossings open and they can get the Canadian teams going South and the American teams coming North or whatever it is that they're going to figure out. So what I'm hearing is that likely that would only be for about the first, you know, 20, 28 games or whatever, and they'll just play each other all, you know, three or four times. And then likely they would probably try to get into the more regularity of the schedule or more regular schedule where they're playing all the different teams in the league. But I think that this has the potential to be really difficult for each of these teams and really set them back because they're going to be playing against extremely difficult competition on a night in night out basis. And we all know those points in the beginning of the season can be so important down the road. You drop two points on a Tuesday night in, you know, October or November, and all of a sudden that's coming down to bite you in the playoff run down the stretch when you're trailing the team by one point or two points in your own division for the last playoff spot, or whatever it may be in home seed advantage in the first round, whatever it might be. So to pick up those points earlier in the season is going to be critical. 
an all-Canadian division, I think, will make it more difficult on every Canadian team to pick up those early point seasons that might have serious implications down the stretch. Well, Ken, we want to thank you very much for coming on and joining. A lot of great insight on the Leafs, a lot of great insight on Kapanen and CeCe, who will be coming over to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, right now, we just want to give you a couple minutes. Let us know what's coming up for you personally and what's coming up for you guys over at the Not Another Leafs pod. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, we got some exciting stuff coming up for Leafs pod. Myself and Brendan McCarthy look for uh, Leafs play-by-play voice and legend Joe Bowen to be joining us in the short term. We'll probably be dropping that episode, I would think, likely at some point in November. So that'll be uh, an exciting interview for us. Also, a ton of interviews just coming up as far as we're going to try to get some of the athletic guys, whether it's Ian Tulloch, Josh Cloak. I mean, there's a ton of different writers in Toronto who have different perspectives on this team and all the offseason moves that they've made. So look for some really awesome interviews this offseason coming up on the Leafs podcast. And likely we're probably going to continue just to keep producing one episode a week. So tons of hockey content and uh, feel free to listen in because it's not just Leafs content. We get into the chatter around the league and uh, every NHL team. Well, Penns fans, check them out. Again, not another Leafs pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, thank you, Ken. Thanks, guys. A big thank you again goes out to Ken Stapon for joining the show. As we mentioned there, of course, you can listen to him at the Not Another Leafs podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ken Stapon. So once again, it was great to have his insight and his knowledge about the two newest Pittsburgh Penguins, Kasperi Kapanen and Cody Ceci. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview. But as we move along here on episode 82 of the Tip of the Iceberg, we're going to give you another advertisement here from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. This week's is the Euro Puck podcast. Enjoy. Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 82. Horwat, can you believe we're ranging in close to our 100th episode of the Tip of the Iceberg? Episode Martin Straka right now, number 82. It's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, Nash Tan was 81. The only one I can think of right now. I believe he was the only one. Now I'm rambling. Welcome to the show, everyone. (laughs) We, of course, did do... The best to wear each number. I'm pretty sure Martin Straka was the only number 82, but we'll just have to go back and check out that episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. But we're going to finish this week's episode off with our Pens poll and, of course, our shout-outs and call-out segment. This week's Pens poll got a lot of reactions and a lot of votes, so we thank everybody that chimed in on the Pens poll and everybody that commented their reasoning. And the question we had was, if you had a chance to model your NHL career 
after one of these players, which would you choose? Sidney Crosby won the poll a little surprisingly to me. He won the poll at 49%. Mario Lemieux comes in second at 32 and Yaromir Yager rounds up the rear with 19% of the votes. This was something that was very, very close at one point. I believe it was 34% to 34% to 33%. So it was something that started off really close and then Crosby pulled away towards the latter half of the week. Horwat, what are your thoughts on this? And who would you choose if you had this option? I'm not shocked people chose Crosby. People look at just the skill set and the fact that he's playing in a new generation. You kind of don't have to change your life timeline, per se, to model your career after uh, Sidney Crosby, I guess. But I chose uh, Yager for the sheer fact of injuries and longevity. (laughs) Also, you're second ever in scoring behind someone no one is going to catch. As far as you should be concerned, you're the number one goal scorer. Not goal scorer. Goal scorer? Point Point. scorer ever. Why are you not taking that? Yeah, with the exception of somebody that is only known, well, not only known, but is mostly known as the great one. Yeah, those are numbers no one's going to reach, so you may as well set yourself as a standard of, I currently have the number one reachable record (laughs) in the NHL. Plus, he played for how many years? 91, 90, 1990 until... He's still playing. But not in the NHL, but he's still playing. For a team he owns. Also true. Like it, You've got the aspect of owning a team, so there's your check for Mario. You've got the aspect of being one of the top players in the league. Even into your mid to late 30s, you were still pretty damn good. There's the Crosby aspect, I guess you could say. Check. He's checked both boxes... The only part that might be missing is how much he's won. Only the two cups under his belt, and that was it. So that is kind of a long career to have and not really, not not be successful, but not be at the mountaintop. There's a couple different ways that we can go with this, and I do have some of the comments that were left underneath our poll that I, I will talk about in a little bit. But to me, I, I also chose Yager, but it was for a myriad of different reasons. One of the big reasons for me is a lot of people say, well, would Sidney Crosby have made it in the 80s and 90s? And a lot of people say, well, would Mario Lemieux's talents be able to translate to today's game? We don't have to ask that question with Yarmir Yager. He played in both eras. There's one thing that's easy. And then it also comes down to what is important to you? And yes, there is something to be said about a player that played his entire career with the team that drafted him. There's something sacred about that. And I get that. But personally, I'm a guy that likes to travel. And while, yes, you're in the NHL, you're traveling anyway. The opportunity to live in multiple different cities in the United States is a pretty good opportunity to me. So, yeah, Yager got to live in New York City. Yager got to play for New Jersey. He got to play in Dallas. Did he play in Dallas? I can't remember if he played in Dallas. He played for the Florida Panthers. He played in Boston. He played in all of these markets and had the chance to live in all of these cities. So that's something else that that's just a personal thing for me. And also, like you mentioned, he's the second highest point getter in NHL history to have your name up there and to basically you can play the game of who's Wayne Gretzky. This man doesn't exist to me and just ignore that fact and that entire career. And all of a sudden you're the best player in NHL history. As far as points are concerned, Uh, I picked Yager. I also health, as you mentioned, yeah, Lemieux had the stories. He definitely did. He had the, the coming out of retirement, the coming back from cancer, but 
he went through a lot in his career. He was hacked and whacked more than pretty much anybody I can remember. Yeah, Crosby gets picked on nowadays, but Mario Lemieux took 10 times the amount of crap that Sidney Crosby takes. Mario Lemieux's back injury was debilitating. So to have to go through that, not to mention cancer, and then you look at Crosby, the, the, the concussion injuries, the fact that he had a broken jaw, getting hit in the face with a massive slap shot from Brooks Orpik. Listen, to be completely honest, I would take any three of these careers. I would take anybody's Hello. career that's in the NHL. Picking one of these guys doesn't take anything away from the other two. They're all Hall of Famers. They're all all-time greats. But that's why I picked Yaramir Yager for those couple of reasons. Uh, let's go check out what some of our listeners and some of our followers said. At Chill Kessel on Twitter said, Mario is the most gifted player ever to put on skates. But as far as how I would approach the game, I voted for Sidney Crosby because of his work ethic. He's not as gifted or dominant as Mario, but the lesser Sid had, he's compensated with exceptional work ethic. So Chill Kessel going with Sidney Crosby. At Fly Guy Flyby, who I already mentioned a couple episodes ago, responding to all these polls. So thank you to him for continuing to comment underneath our polls. He just said Mario, period. Five rings, in the argument for greatest of all time, back issues and cancer aside, he saved the franchise twice, once as a player, once as an owner. And as he aged, he reinvented himself as a player. So he likes Mario. And then also at Cassie Bell 05 said, Sid, the way he sees the game, and his hockey IQ is unparalleled. Not only a gifted player in the offensive zone, but also in the defensive zone, he can help out. His behind-the-net play and the way he can lay passes is quite, frankly, extraordinary. These are all correct comments. And there are many more comments on that poll, so we thank everybody that chimed in on Twitter. But yeah, this is, again, like I mentioned at the end of that, all three of these guys are all-time greats. Yep, there's no wrong answer, to say the least. Exactly. So... Thank you again to everybody that commented on this poll. Thank you to everybody that voted on this poll. And look out for our next Pens poll coming out the same day this drops on Monday. Let's get it into our shoutouts and call-outs segment, shall we? You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hand up and shout. The officiating was awful. It was just terrible. It made ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Shoutouts and call-ups brought to you by CoolHockey.com. We already talked a lot about hockey jersey on this episode. Check out CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use code THPN for 30% off one of the hockey jerseys that we mentioned already. So, mm -hmm. what? let's do shoutouts first. Mine's very nice because, so, I have recently maybe not recently i don't know how long it's been happening but have recently been having issues falling asleep don't know what it is but something I've and found... how does that make you feel <laughs> I, I could use Sorry, some continue. of those sessions too it's okay but one thing that i have found that is really helpful and this is my shout out is bob ross videos really yes yeah, so i'm shouting out the, one of the greatest artists of all time bob ross um, so the original bob father yes just i don't it's not I'm saying his videos are boring. It's just calming and soothing, and I have yet to really finish one and not be awake through the whole thing. I'm falling asleep a little bit better with him. Granted, it <laughs> might not be the best way of doing it, but it at least helps, and I mean, I'm still 23. I can get to the real sleeping issues whenever I'm older if this shit lasts. But every now and again, if I'm having an issue falling asleep, if I'm like feeling myself not be tired, per se... I pop one of his videos on, it 
calms me down, soothes me, and I'm out like a light. Hey, whatever works, man. Maybe I should start checking that out. I, I haven't had an issue sleeping as of recently, but I used to. So I wish I would have known that remedy when I was in college. Well, it's a nice remedy. It's, it's Plus, you can't go wrong. It's the voice, I think, for me. It's the voice and just hearing. Like, I think there's a microphone behind the canvas. You can like, hear every brushstroke, and it's awesome. Yeah, just happy little trees, Horwath. Happy, happy little, little trees. trees. I'm a happy little sleeping boy now. <laughs> My shout-out this week goes to the legend, Mike Doc Emmerich. Mm -hmm. He retired this past week from the broadcast booth after 47 years behind a microphone calling hockey games. He's been the lead voice of the NHL on NBC for 15 seasons. There's so many stories about him, and everybody has their story about meeting him. We, of course, met him in person as well at Point Park University. One of the first seminars that we went to at PPU went and listened to Doc Emmerich talk. I believe you were there, weren't you? Nope. Oh, you were not. I thought you were with me. But I went and saw a seminar of Doc Emmerich talking, and really the lasting impression, not only did he go through his story, not only is he an eloquent storyteller, both when the booth and whenever we met him in person or I met him in person, but he also stayed, and what I noticed is when he had questions at the end, he didn't shortchange anybody. If you asked him a question, he went on a long, beautifully spun tangent or story about what happened in his life and how he how he deals with the stress of this, how he deals with overuse of his voice at this. He was just somebody that you could tell really cared to help out the next generation of talent in the broadcasting world. And it was something that even after the event, whenever he was scheduled to leave and scheduled to go, it was when the Penguins were in one of the Stanley Cup finals, so he was in Pittsburgh for a couple days. He came down. He stayed after, and he answered questions Pretty much for everybody that was there, I had in a question I got to ask him, and he, he sat down with me, talked for about five minutes, answered my question. I thanked him, shook his hand, and, and he, he was there. I left. I don't know how long he was there. So not to mention the fact that he's also a massive Pittsburgh Pirates fan, which is also cool. But everybody has their stories about Doc Emmerich. He is truly one of the GOATs of the broadcast industry. We always mention Mike Lang as one of the greatest of all time. Mike Lang and Doc Emmerich are on the same playing field easily on the same playing field so my shout out this week goes to doc emmerich I, I wish him the best in retirement and hopefully we still get to hear him making some calls out of, out of the kindness of his heart maybe on twitter because he does have a twitter page <laughs> i didn't realize that yeah i missed that seminar for a class i think so i know i remember asking you to yeah. come with me yeah i definitely do remember him coming through at least and remember all the great things people said about him and it's all the same thing it's He'll be there to listen to every question. He's um, open about doing those things. He's there to help everyone, and he's just one of the better guys. I know I may have we, I I don't know about you, may have bagged on him whenever I was younger. I that's just me. Cool. That's yeah. all you, bud. That was just me being a young high school critic. Okay, uh, I bagged on everyone back then, so <laughs> I get it now. I've at least grown up and realized he is one of the legends, and yeah, it'll he'll be missed. I watched a video of his top 10 calls it was from sportsnet canada and they ranked the flurries game winning save in game seven of 09 as number one so you have that going for you doc and the best thing ever was never josh yo he tweeted that picture of the note that he got from doc after sending him a pirate's mask mm -hmm. the god help us comment is the best <laughs> part because even he is a real pirate fan 
Yeah. <laughs> a real he's, Bucko fan. He's through and through a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, which I, I, I'll give it to him. That's way more than I can be. <laughs> it's awesome. So you said your high school self was a critic of stuff you listen to. You think your high school self would like this show that we do? My high school self would probably bag on us, but yeah, I'm sure yeah, he'd at least fair. enjoy it. That's fair. My current self kind of bags on us at some point, so I'm sure yours, does, you do too. That's but. right. My call out is uh, something that my current self bags on quite often, but I still listen to it every damn week. Let's hear it. I'm calling out the Steve Dangle podcast. Oh, oh, calling out another podcast. Do we have beef? Do we have a podcast beef now besides with Caps Chirp? Um, this would be a nice one because this might give us some listens, but. <laughs> Uh, listen, I love Steve Dangle. I love his videos, and I learned so much about the Leafs through him. It's awesome. So when it comes to us talking about other teams in the league, like if you were to tell me right now who the Stars or the Lightning, who their free agents are, who they're going after, I couldn't tell you. But if we're going to talk about it on the show, I'm going to look into it. Steve Dangle on multiple weeks now in recent history has just pissed me off when he has talked about the Penguins. And I know I've told this to you, and I'm finally getting it in front of a microphone because in the most recent episode that came out yesterday, as of the day we're recording this at least, he asked, how do you go from buying out Jack Johnson to then signing Cody Cece? Okay, that's a fair question. We're all going to get it forever and ever. You don't have to then go into bagging on Jim Rutherford. You don't have to do that. You don't have to literally say, I don't know what he thinks is a good defenseman or a good NHL player. And then in the same breath, wonder why Jack Johnson is still, or uh, Justin Schultz is still a free agent. Cause guess what, Steve, he's not, <laughs> he's signed with the capitals. If you're going to bag on someone, do your research first. Know that Justin Schultz is not here anymore. And we didn't even want him because I think I said to you and Doug before he was wondering why, Justin Schultz was being let go or something of that matter saying Justin Schultz is still a good defenseman when he's not I mean he might be he's just he That's wasn't this year yeah he wasn't the last couple of years but yeah yeah and also don't bag on my GM whenever uh sorry Ken for this comment uh don't bag on my GM whenever yours hasn't made it hasn't sniffed the first sniffed the second round in the playoffs since he got there meanwhile ours has won two cups and that he thinks uh, signing old guys that might be a touch past their prime is going to help anything. Ken, if you hear that, I'm sorry. that <laughs> Your takes on it were great. I just had that written down long before our interview. So, But yeah, Steve, I love you. Just do a little more research if you're going to discuss teams on your podcast. So what we're basically saying is if you want to listen to a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast, Throw Steve Dangle out the window. Listen to the Not Another Leafs pod exactly. here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Exactly. Well, I'll close it out with my call out. And my call out this week goes to Marvel Studios. Of course, this is something that comes close to my heart. As Horowat, you know, I am a huge fan yeah, of the are. Marvel Cinematic Universe. But once again, they pushed back the release date of Black Widow, which I've been waiting for. Since May. Now, I understand the first one, of course, COVID, you can't do anything. But it was initially pushed back to the first weekend of November. And I was getting hyped to go see it. And then now, of course, it's pushed back to May of 2021. Now, to me, this is a personal beef just because it's felt like an eternity since Spider-Man Far From Home was released. And that was July of 2019. And if that's feeling like a long time for anybody else, that's because this is the first time since 2009 
that Marvel has not released a movie in a full calendar year. So for for me, this is not a superhero fan, man. It's been nice. <laughs> I'm not. I, I saw the yeah. original Spider-Man whenever I was a kid, and I just I haven't watched another one since. I watch all of them. I watched Deadpool. Every single one. I did see Deadpool. I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of DC, but I'll watch them. Well, Deadpool isn't DC, but I'm not a fan of DC comics as much. I, I still watch the movies, but more of a fan of Marvel. I get it. They want to open it in theaters and have, you know, be able to make money on it because you can't really make as much money if theaters can only be at like 25% capacity. I get that. And then and it goes the for top all movies. five and top grossing movies ever, which is a friggin farce in my opinion but I'm that's not, not a farce because i'm they, not here to talk they movies. market it well i'm not they here mar- to talk the, movies this is shout outs and calls we can talk about anything we want yeah talk movies i don't care they have a good marketing program and they have a loyal fan base that's why they have the top five highest grossing movies of all time that doesn't mean top five greatest it just means they made the most money <laughs> it damn sure doesn't hey hey easy <laughs> there buddy easy there buddy <laughs> I always forget if it's whether or not you like Marvel or you like Star Wars. So I'm guessing you like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I'm okay, not the, I'm not the biggest nerd about it like some people are. Like, I have a couple of buddies a, who are huge into it. Watch watch the N-word. Don't call me a nerd. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah. I'm not the biggest watch every part of it. Like, I haven't seen Rogue One. I haven't watched The Mandalorian. Hey, I've, season two's coming out. You better get on that. I should. But, like, I've seen the main nine, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I have and I think I had a lightsaber as a kid and dressed as Darth Vader for Halloween once. That's the extent that I've gone with my Star Wars love. Yeah. I do enjoy the series. I was one of the few that liked the new trio. But that's because yeah. I haven't put my heart and soul into the first three. That's true. But yeah, that's my deal on it. I'm also a comedy movie fan. Yeah, I, I, I'm a genuine movie fan. But yeah. I do enjoy superhero movies. That's that's my one thing I, la- I allow myself to geek out over sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy Star Wars as well. But again, like you, I don't have the posters. I don't have... I did have a lightsaber in college, but that was just because, I don't know, we were in college and stupid. But yeah. It we was also weird. like five I bucks at Target. I played Yu-Gi-Oh in so. college. We did weird things in college. That's true. That is something I did not do. But I also loved Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. Like That was something I was a nerd about. I loved Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. Um, I didn't know the actual rules of the game until... Shout out our old co-host, Jordan Slobodinsky. So, what else were we nerds about in college? Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Pokemon cards I as hated a kid. Pokemon. I, I hated I just said, oh, this one looks cooler than that one. I'll trade you. I had no idea what any of it was. I just liked the ones that looked cool and the, and the cool art on some of them. So. But, yeah, no. With, movies with me are very... I like I like good movies. Like, I like The Godfather. I like... I would hope you like good movies. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> These superhero movies, I can't do them. I just can't. Just watch the new Spider-Mans. You can ignore the rest of it for now. And then we'll get you into all 23 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. I did in watch the Into year. the Spider-Verse, too. I do remember that. That was good. See? Get into it. <laughs> but that is going to be it for this one. Horrot, you got anything left for the fans? Go Rays. Ah, uh, no, no. Let's go Dodgers. It's about the- time they finally win a freaking World Series. I hate the Dodgers so much, man. I do. <laughs> I do. Well, that's going to be it for this one, guys. Have a good week, Pets fan. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at IcebergPodcast. 
This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.